Uh, this may or may not come as a surprise to you, but when I first moved out of home from the beautiful Tarthra on the far south coast of New South Wales, which is worth visiting if you haven't, if you haven't been there, uh, I moved from Tarthra to Canberra. Uh, I was about 18 years old and, and I lived in a share house with my sister Liz uh, and another girl. Uh, I was a pretty useless housemate. Uh, my cooking was bad, not that I ever actually really cooked anyway. My, my cleanliness uh, was dismal uh, and my communication was probably non-existent. Um, I don't know if that made me more understanding when I had another housemate years later who would leave his chip packets and zooper duper wrappers all over our lounge room floor. And you, you have to picture the accumulation of this day after day, more and more. Uh, anyway, there was just the two of us living in the house at the time. And I remember saying to him, uh, mate, do you think you might be able to pick up your rubbish? Uh, he said, it wasn't me. <laughs> Just the two of us living in the house. And I knew it wasn't me. Uh, he said, I didn't do it. Um, having just moved out of home himself, he was used to blaming everything on his uh, younger sisters and he had five of them to choose from. So he was used to saying, it wasn't me, must have been uh, one of them. Uh, l- learning to live together, it, it can be hard. Uh, perhaps it's one of those sort of never-ending learning curves. There's the share house experience, and some of you have, have got horror stories. There's the, the high learning curve of the newlyweds, uh, what to do or not do with the, the toothpaste, squeeze or, or, or roll, who's responsible for the cooking and cleaning, when do you go to bed, when do you, do you get up, Uh, there's also the experience, isn't there, of the church family. And while we may not have to work through who's responsible for using up the hot water or where are we going to store the TV remote, living together as God's people can actually be really challenging. Living at peace with one another is not always easy. Perhaps one of the biggest challenges for us in our individualistic culture is that we don't actually see each other as family or treat each other in that way. Uh, As we sort of finish up in this 1 Thessalonians this afternoon, uh, Paul, he turns his attention to the togetherness of the local church. Uh, And we've seen already in 1 Thessalonians that God's people are to have a very clear focus. Uh, Having had our worlds turned upside down by the news of Jesus, God's people together were to be standing firm in him until the end, persevering in him, living to please him, not less and less, but more and more while we wait for Jesus' return. That's the clear focus of God's people here and now. Last week, if you were here, what was the application? Chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. God's people reminding each other we belong to the day, to the day that is to come.
a community saying to each other, yes, let's live to please God more and more. But this encouraging in the faith, the togetherness, the urging each other on that clear focus while waiting for Jesus' return, like relating to a dodgy housemate, it can be challenging. And I reckon that's why these so-called final instructions are shaped the way that they are. Paul, he addresses all kinds of topics, doesn't he? Uh, Our attitude to leadership, our attitude to each other, Uh, He speaks of doing God's will, responding to prophecy, collapsing into God for our need. He even gets as practical as telling the local church to give each other a kiss. And we'll get to that. Uh, First, though, you see the Thessalonians' attitude to the leadership, verse 12 and 13. We read, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, And who admonish you, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Um, Can I say, as one of the leaders of our local church here, I reckon you do this well. Um, So thank you for that. The church in Thessalonica in the first century, they were facing persecution. And there's nothing like the pressure of persecution or, or the pressure of some other thing to bring out the character flaws. Uh, perhaps the leadership of the church in Thessalonica were young and, and zealous. They were doing uh, the, uh, the rebuking part of the job, uh, but lacking in the pastoral sensitivity. It's difficult to hold this kind of a leadership Uh, in high regard, but Paul says do it. Maybe there were some really competent congregational members, uh, people with strong opinions on on how things should be done, uh, able to identify all of the leadership flaws, thinking they know better and they may have known better. But Paul says hold the leadership in the, the highest regard in love because of their work. Holding the leadership in high regard can be really hard. I mean, our culture gears, you know, we don't respect the leaders, do we? Remember when Jen and I first left Bible college in Sydney and we moved to Brisbane? Uh, I reckon I would have been a bit frustrating for the leadership of the church that we were a part of, with all of my ideas and all of my opinions and my energy Notice there's two aspects of Christian leadership that are mentioned here. It's assumed that the leader works hard. And Paul's using a word that's normally referenced to physical toil, so it's working hard not on the keyboard, but like the brickies labourer or the concreter. Christian leaders are to work hard. And so you can ask me that, are you working hard? And as the leader cares for the community in the Lord, see that difficult conversations are to be usual. That's what that word admonish is, isn't it? The difficult conversation, rebuke, warn, caution. Uh, They're the conversations I don't like having. But the Christian leader is to be saying, remember who we are. 
remember what we're on about, persevering in Christ until that, that final day, let's stay on track. And when someone gets off track, that's a hard conversation. And so whether that be coming from me or from Jen or from Liz or from uh, one of our elders, a small group leader, a ministry team leader, it's so important, isn't it? He or she willing to have this hard conversation, cares about your faith in Jesus so much, they're prepared to have it. And just as we may want to put the boot into the leadership at times, Paul says, verse 13, live at peace with each other. And that must at least change the shape of the conversation. Even in the context of Thessalonica, a community that is under pressure. In verses 14 and 15, you notice Paul turns from our attitude to the leadership to our attitude towards one another. How are we all to be relating? Well, he says, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak. Um, You know, we've got a lot of little kids. um, And when they're idle, they're disruptive. And it's the same with the adult, isn't it? When When there's nothing doing, we have a tendency to become disruptive. What do we do? We warn that person. To the disheartened, we encouraged. To the weak, we help. What's going on with the individual determines how we relate to them. And it's so easy to get that wrong, isn't it? But then what's that final thing? Be patient with who? With everyone. As we maintain that focus, growing up together in Christ while waiting for Jesus' return, persevering to the end, warning, encouraging helping, patient with everyone, that is a wonderful community to be a part of, I'd say. And if that community life is not countercultural enough, how full on is verse 15? We read, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. You just sit with that for a while. Uh, Jeffrey Weimer, in his commentary on this, he says, the proper Christian response to harmful treatment from others, regardless of its source or its nature, is is to not merely practice patience and non retaliation. And I love this, but additionally, the aggressive pursuit of what is best for the offending person or party. There's no, I'll get you back for this. You wronged me, I'll get you back. You wronged me, there's no harbouring of bitterness. You wronged me, there's no cancelling of relationships. You wrong me and I'll do what's best for you. I wrong you. And you'll do what's best for me. Amazing. 
And that's to be the way within the Christian community. But also it's the way that the Christian community is to relate to the neighbour outside, no matter who the offending party is. And because we are all sinful, we will wrong each other. I'll wrong you, you'll wrong me. What a great way this is to deal with it. There's the story of some missionaries. Um, that I can't remember where they went, but a place where they were, they were not welcome. Uh, every day some locals would carry on at their front door early in the morning, uh, protesting, we don't want you here, uh, all sorts of threats, trying to run them out of town. What do you do in that situation? People carrying on outside, outside your door early in the morning, telling you to leave. What a, what a way to wake up. The missionaries, that they began setting up breakfast or, or morning tea for these protesters. You might be protesting, you obviously don't want us here, but at least you can be fed while you're doing it. Uh, one day it was raining, they, they took out umbrellas. Who are these people? What is the go? Well, the Lord Jesus has turned our world upside down. We're living to please God more and more while we wait for Jesus' return. That's our joy and focus, and we do it together. And so you have these believers, it would seem, this is community life, isn't it? And it would seem that this is the believers in corporate worship, verse 16 to 22. See verse 16 to 18, rejoice always. Are they singing at this point? Maybe. Are they just discussing on the way in, uh, talking about their joy in the Lord? Maybe. Pray continually. Is that the person up the front and everyone's joining in? Or is it, is it after the service, individuals praying for one another, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus? And some of you grew up going to church, so you probably know these verses, and they're on your mum's fridge perhaps. Verses that are often applied to the individual. And of course we can do that and we should do that. Great verses to memorise and the kids are thinking about praying continually right now. Stick them on the fridge. But I reckon it's interesting that the Greek is plural here. So this is God's will for you, for yous in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for y'all. If you're American. But we're not talking about a share house kind of community here, are we? We're not dealing with the hot water system. But we cannot get away from the togetherness of the Christian life. And it is wonderful. You hurt me and I'll do what's best for you? You serious? Such is the nature of God's kingdom so big is what Jesus does to us when we put our trust in him Paul said earlier that the Thessalonians they received the message of Jesus with joy with the joy given by the Holy Spirit in spite of strong opposition a mark of the believer is this joy this this rejoicing the joy given by the Holy Spirit. A community under pressure, rejoicing always, praying continually, giving thanks 
in all circumstances. For this is God's will for us. And so you say to me, Jono, we should be rejoicing. That's how we relate to one another and praying continually. And in verses 19 to 22, it's, it seems we're still in the context of that corporate worship, but there's, a, there's the shift to, to prophecy, uh, verse 19 to 22. Do, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And these verses are really hard to interpret. It's hard to know what the, the original context uh, was. It's hard to know what prophecy in the New Testament uh, actually is referring to. Is it preaching? Is it some other thing? Um, I, I reckon it's worth just remembering they didn't have a complete Bible like us. 1 Thessalonians is, is possibly the second earliest New Testament uh, document. They didn't have a couple of thousand years of theological reflection like, like we do. And so you imagine the odd visiting preacher, things would have gotten a little bit edgy from time to time. But what is clear, though, is the posture that this community is to have, ready to listen to what God is saying, holding on to the good and rejecting every kind of evil. Anyway, as this community lives with that really clear focus, serving God more and more while we wait for Jesus' return, encouraging one another, we belong to the day, to the day that is to, to come, seeking to persevere to the end, helping one another with this, we collapse into God himself. He's the one who will have us blameless in Christ on that final day. He's the one who will help us keep rejoicing and praying and forgiving. Verse 23 and 24 is beautiful, isn't it? And often used as the benediction of a church service. May God himself, the, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Even as we're busily reminding each other and urging each other to keep on in Christ, it's God who will keep us. It's God who is at work in us. He's faithful and, and he will do it. Well, is it God or is it us? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So we get on with it and we rely on him. And I love the way that, that Paul finishes this. Pray for us, he says. And give each other a kiss. Hey? It's family language. At least shake hands. Uh, and read the scriptures to all of the brothers and sisters. And Paul finishes the way he begins, verse 28, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Do you know that story um, of um, uh, the bloke who represented Tanzania in the 1968 Olympics, Mexico City, uh, it was the marathon. Uh, John Stephen Aquari, something like that. Um, 
He injured himself, his knee, I think it was, about halfway through, and it was pretty bad. But, but he kept going. He, he kept on going, and, you know, the, the subject is perseverance, isn't it? He kept on going. And when there were just a few thousand people left in the, the stands, and the sun has, had set, a, a TV crew was sent back to the, to the uh, stands from the, the medal ceremony when they heard that he was finishing. Apparently there was this cheer as he, he finally he made it. And they asked him in the interview, you may know this story, I hope you do, it's wonderful. Why did you keep running? Why did you keep running? I mean, you idiot. You just stop. You're not going to win. You'll last by a long, long way. Just stop. Why did you keep running? My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. And you think of the Thessalonians. Yeah, they have this conversion story. Their worlds were turned upside down all those years ago. That's great. And Paul hears from Timothy, yes, they're standing firm. They're still at it. Good. Persevering to the end, though, that's the clear focus. And even as we're busying ourselves, I hope, helping one another, reminding one another of this, we belong to the day. We rely on God himself, the one who calls us, is faithful and he will do it. So, you, you know, that's a talk, isn't it, from 1 Thessalonians, the end. And you're, you now need to think about applying it and my job is to help you with that. So you, you don't pray, well, you get stuck into prayer. Uh, you, you don't help the person who needs help, well, you go and help them. Uh, you don't see church as family. You're not practising the togetherness. Uh, you're not even relating enough to hurt someone or be hurt. That's a real problem, isn't it? I mean, there's so many things to apply, but we've got the clear focus. We're waiting for Jesus' return. We're living to please him more and more while we wait. And we need his help, so let's pray for it. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we look at a, a beautiful picture of a, a community doing these things and we think, oh, that's, that's hard. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us. Forgive us for returning hurt when we've been wronged. Forgive us for not acting as a community at times. Forgive us for not praying or giving thanks. Lord, there's so many possible things, uh, so many ways that we fall short here. And so we pray for your forgiveness and we pray for your help. Lord God, we thank you that you who call us, that you are faithful and that you will keep us to the end. But we thank you, Lord, that this grand salvation that we find ourselves in through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're not passive but active and that we have a, a role to play, that we have each other to care for. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help, that you would help us 
that you would help us, Lord. And we pray that we might be a community that just looks so strange to the world that we're in, that we would have to give an explanation for who we are. And Lord, we pray that it would be true of each one of us and more and more people as you bring others to Christ, that we're presently living to please you more and more while we wait for Jesus' return. Now, please, Lord, do this in us for your glory. We pray in in Jesus' name. Amen.